Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the Venture Church Podcast. Venture is a life-giving church located in Bluffton, South Carolina, led by Pastor Sean Olson. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Now, let's dive into the word with Pastor Sean and his message for this week. Welcome to Venture. We're glad you're here. My name's Sean Olson. I get to be the pastor here at Venture. I love I love coming to church. See, Saturday nights, I like to go to bed early because, I mean, Sunday, my wife laughs at me. What is that about? Because, I mean, listen, it's kind of like Christmas Eve. If you remember Christmas Eve as a kid, like, I needed to go to sleep because I knew the sooner I went to sleep, Sunday would come. You know, Christmas would come. Uh, man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you're here. We're in the middle of this series on the book of Haggai. If you're looking for that in your Bible, you open up your Bible app and you spell it H-A-G-G-I-A-I. That's how I find it. You know, back in the day, you'd have to like look up secretly. See, if you went to church as a kid, you're supposed to know every book of the Bible. But secretly, what you do is everybody else would be flipping through and you would look at the, the index. H-A, right, there it is. And then you look super spiritual and open your Bible up to the right spot. That was me, and I was the pastor's kid. I'd be like, index for the win. Or you'd start peering over at somebody else. Page 675, all right, it's not mine. Um, we're we're going to do this thing called the time is now. Uh, in order, in order to, to jump into the story, we need to give you the backstory again. If you missed last week, uh, just a, a great message on daily discipline. See, sometimes we undervalue daily disciplines. And we, 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 we neglect, we want the end result somehow, sometime. Our destiny's out there some way, but we forget it's, it's found in the daily discipline. But we need to jump back into the backstory. So Solomon, the king of Israel, he, he, he builds this magnificent temple. I mean, it's, it was unbelievable. In fact, people came from all over the world to see it and to worship at the temple. Now, in, in, in 587 B.C., Solomon had died. The people had turned away from God, and Israel was overtaken. They were captured. Everything was destroyed. Everything was destroyed, including the temple. They were held captive for 50 years. Now, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. Sometimes when we're, we're watching a TV show, we're reading a book, we imagine the whole story in the time constraints that we read. So if you read uh, this in a 15 minute, you're like, oh, that was a cool 15 minutes. No, it was 50 years. 50 years they were held captive. That means I would have been born in captivity. Both of my sons would have been born in captivity. So for 50 years, they asked God for one thing. Now, I don't know how long you've prayed for something, but 50 years is a long time to pray for something. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a long time. So they prayed to God for 50 years to let them go back into the land and rebuild the temple. Maybe you've been praying something for a long time. This is just my word of encouragement before we even get to the message. Don't stop. Don't stop. You may be at year 49. God says, year 50 is coming. Be encouraged, not discouraged. So for 50 years they pray and they ask God to return to the land and rebuild the temple. And God makes a way. He allows some of them to come back into the land and start working on the temple, and they do. They start with the foundation, they rebuild the altar, and it gets hard. See, God's yes often requires our work. We don't like it like that. We like the yes that doesn't require our work. But see, so they're rebuilding, and they say, you know what, this is hard. And they take a water break. 
Because it gets hard, you know what I'm saying? It's hot outside. We live in the South. It's all right, Siri. You can get saved. It's cool. She tried a few weeks ago. It didn't work. It was on my watch. It's, it's good. So it, it, 14, 14 years, they take a break. Like We live in the South. You're out doing your yard. You take a break. You go inside. You get some cold water, some sweet tea, whatever it is. I don't know about you, but I've not taken a 14-year break. Now, if I could take a 14-year break from, from doing my yard, that sounds like a pretty good life for me. Uh, 14 years. But you got to remember, they prayed. They prayed for 50 years for God's miracle. And then because it was hard, they took 14 years off. But Haggai brings them back. Haggai 1, 13 and 14. And Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Jim. All right, governor of Judah. (laughs) Listen, sometimes you read these biblical names, you're like, thank God I live with Bobs and Jims, you know, (laughs) just the way it is. Sparked the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Joe, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. I am, I'm with you. If you don't hear anything else in this entire message, you don't hear anything else I say this morning, you walked in discouraged. See, imagine, imagine the honor they felt when they were chosen. You're going to go rebuild God's temple. You're going to be the one that gets to rebuild. And they get there and they're working and all of a sudden the work stops because it gets hard. Imagine the discouragement in their life. I love that when we're discouraged, listen, they stop doing what God told them to do. We view God as the angry dad. I I don't know about you, but you send your kids upstairs to clean the room and you hear the wrestling match going on. Come on, somebody. I need some, some, some fathers of boys in the house this morning. You ready to scream up the stairs and join the wrestling match of discipline and put... Just, Lord, bless them. Keep them alive, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You stop doing what I told you to do. And sometimes that's how we think God is. He's ready to come running up going, Guys, what are you doing? I told you to rebuild the temple. But I love God's opening line. It shows you the grace of the God we serve. He says, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. See, sometimes I think we're ready for God to come up in our discouragement and hammer us. And he steps into our discouragement and says, I'm right here. I'm with you. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, I'm going to talk about the causes of discouragement. The The whole message today is about discouragement. Hear this. We put this persona on God that he's ready to step into our discouragement and bring defeat. He's ready to step into our discouragement and bring encouraging. That's who he is. So he opens, he says, I'm with you. Even when you think, man, I should be further in life by now. I should, I should, be, I should be further down the road. I thought things would be different by now. This took me by surprise. Come on, you've been there. This one, this one caught me off guard. I remember, you know, when, when I was standing in the stairwell at my last church, I was a youth pastor. We did crazy things. I was a youth pastor. The youth are getting ready to go on a trip today. We're going to pray for them at the end of service. But I was, 
Maybe we should pray for the leaders. I was, I was the youth pastor standing in a stairwell, and I get a call from my dad. Tells me, I mean, like 20 minutes before I start our youth service that he's getting tested for cancer. Well, I didn't think it would be like this. Something comes along, and there's this, this sense of discouragement, and God opens up his answer with, I am with you. I am with you. Let's start there. I'm with you. But then he stirs up enthusiasm. I love that. Stirs up some enthusiasm. And all of a sudden, when God stirs up our enthusiasm, we feel like, man, we can take on the world. You ever, you ever been there? We start something and we are going to go all in. Like, man, come January, I'm going to lose 600 pounds. You weigh 160 pounds. How are you losing? I don't know, but I'm going to lose more weight than any person ever has lost. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna be financially debt free. I'm going to have $3 million homes because I'm going to jump on Dave Ramsey's back and he's going to take me all the way there. You know what I'm saying? You're like, man, I'm going to fix my marriage. We're going to have a better marriage than ever. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to have private jets and yachts. And we start with enthusiasm. That, I feel like that's, that's what God's doing here. He's stirring the enthusiasm of the people. Then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, what happened? 30 days later, get this, one month later, after Haggai calls them back, says, all right, guys, we took a 14-year break. Come on, let's, let's get back to work. One month later, they quit again. <laughs> One month, 30 days. If, if you were a kid, you count it in sleeps. 30 sleeps is all they lasted. 30 days. One month, they're going, you know what? Um, this isn't working so well. See, God may stir our enthusiasm to get us started, but it will require our discipline and dedication to finish. Listen, anyone, anyone can start something. It takes the dedicated to finish. And we've become a culture, a community of really good starters. We'll start anything. I, I don't do anything halfway, y'all. I don't know if you can tell this about me or not. I am an all-in kind of a guy. So for years... I would, I, one of my hobbies was I love to competitively shoot. Like, yes, bang, bang, shoot guns, all right? I would go, I would, I loved it. So I remember gearing up for my first competition. I had it all, man. The belt, the magazines. I looked like Rambo, ready to go. I mean, I had, y'all laughing at me. You don't even know what's about to happen. You think you're laughing now. Wait till about two minutes from now. You're really going to be laughing, right? I mean, I had all, all these, ma I, I was, I was the man, right? guns on my hips. I'm strolling around. All these guys are like, look at me now. I had it all. I started to restart enthusiasm for sure. I get out there, first competition ever, break the most fundamental rule and draw my gun at the wrong time, disqualified, never took a shot. <laughs> Mic drop, done, right? So for the rest of the day, I'm hanging out with my buddies who are shooting guns, I ain't got no gear on me. I'm sitting there in my shorts and my t-shirt going, well, that was fun. You see, I started well. I had the enthusiasm, but I couldn't finish. And sometimes God starts us, uh, it stirs our enthusiasm. We get going. We have these dreams and these goals. But when it gets hard, the enthusiasm fizzles and so does our dedication. So what happens is they come back and for a month they're working on it. Then they throw this religious festival. 
Imagine this. The, the temple, it's been 14 years now. The temple's supposed to be being rebuilt. And all these people come and I can see them going, that's what we've done so far? Like that's it? That's all we got? And there comes a sense of discouragement. There comes a sense of embarrassment. I thought we'd be further by now. It's been 14 years with so little progress. And maybe, maybe that's you. You walked in this room going, man, I thought life would be, I thought life would be different by now. I thought we would be further. I thought I would have X, Y, or Z. I thought we would be here by now. I thought this would happen. And I found that discouragement comes primarily from, from two causes. Haggai 2, verse 3. Does anyone remember this house? This temple in its former splendor. How in comparison... Does it look to you now, it must seem like nothing at all. The first thing I think that discouragement comes from is comparison. Haggai comes back to him and says, how does this compare to its former glory? Too often, you got you to realize that theologians, which is really smart people, so when you say theologians, it's just somebody that's really smart. Theologians would say Haggai was about 70 when all this went down, which means he would remember the temple in its former glory. So he'd say, hey, how does this new thing compared to that awesome old thing, and too often we compare our now, our progress, to someone else's product? We're looking across the fence at their finished product while we're over here trying to get started and we're, com we're comparing our starting point to someone else's finished point. Go, well, how does it compare over there? Well, that's not very encouraging. That doesn't work for me. So what we do, we just started all lawnmower. We're looking going, well, their yard looks good. Well, they had someone else do it for them. Of course it looks good. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Right? You know what I'm saying? We, we start looking at someone else's finished product and comparing, and it discourages us from our destiny. See, comparison, comparison discourages us from our destiny. Think about Sending your kids off to school. We compare our process to people's posted perfection. Social media is the biggest source of comparison that there's ever been. Right? You looking at your kids walking out the door going to school, and they're all like hairs everywhere. They smell bad because they ain't showered in three days. You're not sure if they have a lunch. But old neighbor down the street, there go her kids in the perfectly pressed uniforms, hair all did, organic meal for lunch. All of it's naturally sourced and local homegrown, and the eggs were farmed in their backyard. And you're going, my kids didn't even eat nothing this morning. Maybe that's a personal issue I'm working through. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> Their kids look like they're going to school and it's the first day of school every day. Because everybody, you know, on the first day of school, you pose your kids and you take the pretty picture and you put it on Facebook so everybody knows you got good looking kids. But by day three, all the uniforms are already dirty and they ain't getting their hair did. All right, let's call it like it is. My kids got their hair done for school five days over the whole school year. But here comes all these other kids getting out of the car looking perfect. And that's how we do life. We're looking at our kids and we're looking at other people's social media. And we're going, well, I'm not a good parent. You know what, mom, you're incredible. 
You're working a job, trying to put food on table. You know what, Dad? You're amazing. You're present when you can be. And what we do is we let comparison discourage us from our destiny, and we no longer think we can walk into it. That's exactly what happened. They're looking at the progress they made. They're, they're checking out this. Going, my rubble isn't nothing compared to what it used to be. And we are too often comparing our process to other people's posted perfection. Someone else's job is better. Why? Because they said so on social media? Yeah, everything true is online. It's all real. Just trust me. Just believe everything you see. It's out there. It's for real. Someone else's marriage is better. Yeah, what happens behind the front door? They're better parents. Yeah? What happens when their kids really need them? Just because they have the right clothes and the right hairdo and the right lunch and it's all organic and naturally sourced and homegrown and homemade and the chocolate chip cookies are so moist and all that. Their marriage is better. No. Their, their house is better. See, here's the thing about comparison. It either makes us feel inferior, superior, neither honors God, and nor does it promote progress. God is interested in our progress and process, and when we compare, this is what we do. We use our state to either feel like we're further than someone so we can slow down, or we're not as far so there's no reason to move. Comparison stops progress. So if I'm moving forward and I'm going, well, they're so far, why even try? And then we just get in this daily routine. But remember, the Lord stirred their enthusiasm. Stirred their enthusiasm. They were called to rebuild the temple of the Lord. I mean, let's just think about that. There was probably no greater honor in that day. Think about an entire generation. I mean, sometimes we forget the magnitude of some of these minute things in Scripture. A generation had prayed for 50 years for 50 years, for the opportunity to rebuild the temple. For 50 years, a whole generation, their only prayer, their primary prayer, was God let us rebuild the temple. And here, this group of people have the honor, the honor of rebuilding the temple. And they compare to once what was. We lose our honor of being a mom, a dad, a husband, a wife, a job, because we compare our now to someone else's next. We forget the honor that it is. You remember, once you prayed that you could be a mom or a dad, they said, have kids, it'll be fun. They lied, right? You know, <laughs> listen, I'll tell you the truth. It's a blast. It's just a lot of work, y'all. It's a lot. I mean, you young guys, you're thinking, hey, one day I'm going to have kids. Y'all should, should pray about it. Fast and pray. <laughs> Just seek the Lord on that one. You know what I'm saying? But, but remember, one day, one day you're going over here going, God, 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 we want a baby. We want it to be healthy. And then you have the baby in the womb, and you're praying over it, and you're speaking to a belly, which is weird to begin with. Like, hello in there. I'm your daddy. Like, I mean, what is that, right? But that whole like, stirred enthusiasm, five years later, they're running amok and breaking people's houses and throwing mud at people's houses. And you're going, God, I don't know. I'm so frustrated. Everybody else's kids are perfect. No, they're not. You know how I know? Because they're over there in VC Kids. <laughs> right? But that's, that's what we do. At one point, we think it's the greatest honor in the world. We pray and we ask God for a job. 
And he gives us the job. And then we're, we're watching social media and someone else has a better job. All of a sudden, the job God gave me isn't good enough anymore. When we're a teenager, dudes, we just ask for any girl to notice us. Anyone. Especially in them awkward junior high years, you don't know how to talk to nobody. You're like, hey, I think you're pretty. You know? Like, you just, your only prayer from seventh to ninth grade is that somebody would notice you. And she does. And somehow you convinced her to be yours for life. You should still thank God for that. Instead, what we do is we look at somebody else's wife and we think, oh, she's better than mine. Oh, I got a little serious for a moment. I'll go back over here. I'll be joking again. <laughs> Comparison is the thief of joy and distracts us from our destiny. You see, what happens is we forget the honor of what God's given us. God gave them the honor of rebuilding the temple and they compared it to somebody else's finishing point and they stopped progress, what God had called them to do. When we focus on what someone else is doing, what someone else has or has done, we stop doing the things God has called us to do. They looked and they compared to the old temple. The second thing I think discouragement comes from is lack of progress. They worked for one month and gave up. One month. They started strong. I mean, think about it. You're about to start something. You're going to get into a, a new hobby. Man, listen, I don't do anything, anything at all, halfway. Listen, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Let's just teach that to, to our kids. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. So if I'm going to do it, come on, somebody, I'm going to do it. I'm going to and. I'm a little competitive too, right? I don't know if you caught that about me. So not only am I going to do my best, I'm going to be the best. Somehow it is going to happen. If you're going to do it, do it right. But I expect the results within 30 days like everybody else. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to work on my marriage one month later. Well, I gave it an A-plus effort, but that didn't work. So I don't know. What's next? You know, I'm going I'm to get fit. I'm going to get healthy. We will eat clean for every meal. Work out five times a day. One month later, step on the scale. Well, that didn't work. Back to the Cheetos. You know what I'm saying? Come on, Taco Bell, right? Well, that didn't work. I'm, I'm a, we're all in when our enthusiasm is stirred. But then when we don't see the progress that we want to see, discouragement stops the progress. It stops the process. I'm going to get out of debt. So we eat ramen noodles and PB&J for every meal for 30 days. We paid off $10 in debt. That's just not enough for me. I got I to gotta do something different. I started a business. I thought I'd have that, that company car and employees and the, the private jet and the yacht and all this stuff. I got a bunch of headaches and I don't got any sleep. I had kids. I thought they'd be respectful and obedient. Well, that didn't happen. So what happens is we get discouraged. But hear this. Your potential is forged in the process, not in the destination. And in order to live in the destination, you got to forge your potential in the process. Yeah, I got I to say it again because we don't like the process. We dream of the destination, but your potential is forged in the process. In order for you to live in the destination, you got to forge your potential in the process. We don't like that, though. We like the enthusiasm, the dream at the beginning. Listen, we all know this is why all the gyms will be full in January. Stirred enthusiasm. That's a recognition that, hey, you know, I should do something about my life. And it, 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 come February... Crickets are in the gym. Like, this, this is how Planet Fitness's business model is literally existing. They charge you $10 a month because they know 90% of their people don't actually show up. 
But when they signed on the dotted line, and I'm not, I'm not just hammering the fitness thing, but you got to realize, when they signed on the dotted line, there was this stirred enthusiasm. It's going to change my life. But then it got hard. I didn't see the results I wanted in the first 30 days. So you know what I did? I backed off. These people gave 30 days to rebuilding the temple. And sometimes this is us. God draws us to a big dream, big destiny. Sometimes it is things that are, that are personal to our family, like financial freedom and, and, and health and fitness and, and our personal marriage and the way we, we parent and other stuff. And, and he's like, you know what? We're going to do it. And we launch strong. We go after what God's called us to. 30 days later, we look and we go, we haven't seen enough progress, so we're discouraged. We're discouraged. And we, look sight, we lose sight of what we have done and we focused on what we have not done. Here's one of the things I tell people all the time. We greatly overestimate what we can accomplish in a short term and greatly underestimate what we can accomplish in the long term. If they would have just stayed steady, if it takes them five years, it takes them five years, but they underestimated what they could do in the long term. And they overestimated what they should have been able to do in a month. This happens to us all the time. All right, we're going to do it. We expect in 30 days. This is all going to be different. I tell every person when I start coaching them in CrossFit, don't look at anything or any results for the first six months. Because what happens is we come in, go, like, all ready to go, gung-ho. All right, 30 days went by. What happened? Nothing. Nothing changed. Oh, I'm going to give up then. How many of us started strong going after a dream that God had given us? A destiny that we felt like was in my heart. Something so strong that it stirred the enthusiasm, starting, starting that business, going after that thing, whatever the dream was, and the enthusiasm was stirred, and then a month later, two months later, three months later, it's like, wow, I didn't see any progress, so I gave up. That's exactly what happened. Discouragement is the enemy of our destiny and the thief of our potential. Discouragement is the enemy of our destiny and the thief of our potential. And some of us have stopped progress because we got discouraged. I love what God tells His people, though. So loving and simple. This scripture is probably my favorite scripture in the whole, the whole message and the whole story here because I think it shows you the heart of God. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Joe, the high priest. Maybe it's not Joe. Maybe it's Zehazadak. All right. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. And now get to work. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He says, man, be strong and get to work. Be strong and get to work. And, and listen, some of us, you walked in here this morning discouraged. Ready to throw in the towel. Ready to give up. Ready to walk away. Maybe you've already emotionally checked out to the big dream, the big destiny, because discouragement overshadowed it. And you're living in the shadow where there is no light, but the light's blocked by your discouragement. You're living in that zone. I feel like the scripture's for you. Be strong, get to work. Be strong and get to work. And you're sitting here going, man, I've tried. I tried religion once. 
Found out some people in the church are mean. Come on, somebody. Let's just be real. We're a real church full of real people. Come on. I, I tried that and it didn't make my life all peaches and roses like it was supposed to. Everything wasn't better. Well, that's not biblical. That's why. Well, I tried to do this and it didn't work and I'm almost... Come on, if I can stir up some enthusiasm and some confidence in you, that's my goal this morning. I'm almost afraid to try because the discouragement's so deep. Some moms are here and you give everything you have. You give everything you have. And then you see the Pinterest results of those perfect moms and you're almost afraid to try the pin because you know it's going to look like them elf cookies that all the other moms are like looking perfect and you're just looking like Will Ferrell. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. I'm afraid to try because disappointment is a real thing. I'm afraid to even try to be that mom. I'm afraid to even try to be that dad. Well, stop trying to be the mom and dad you see on social media and be the one God called you to be. Stop trying to be the husband and wife you see somewhere else and just be the one God called you to be. Let God stir a dream and a destiny in you. But see, we're, we're so afraid to even try because the discouragement is so real. The disappointment is, and you're saying, well, I don't feel strong. Be strong and go to work. But I don't feel strong. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. It's not in your strength. It's in His. We try to be strong for ourselves. We try to be strong for all the people around us, but we realize it's in our weakness that Christ's power is shown through. So when he said be strong and get to work, it's his strength in our work. It's his strength in my work. So it's not in your strength. It's in his. Be strong and do the work. Be strong and do the work. Some of you stopped the work because you didn't feel strong. We got to get back to work. One of my favorite life quotes is successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what normal people do occasionally. In other words, it's not magic and it's not luck. It's an equation of doing things consistently over a long time will breed you the results you hope to get in anything. You want to be good at business? Keep doing the work. Keep going out and meeting people. Keep going after it. You want a good marriage? Wake up tomorrow, make the bed, vacuum the floors, and buy some roses, dudes. And the wife said, holla at your boy. You know what I'm saying? You want to you wanna be a, a better dad? Get on the floor, have some time with your kids, crawl up, watch a movie, and stop yelling. Like, you want to be a, like, do, do the work. But I don't feel strong. It's not in your strength. It's in his. It's us being daily disciplined to do the work. When you want to give up, remember why you started. One of my Favorite fitness motivations. I used to, I used to have a, a whole gym in my garage. Like an entire, like whole, my wife, she's great. She let me take over the entire garage with rubber flooring. And right above where I worked out was one poster. So when you want to give up, remember why you started. Sometimes we give up without remembering what God had called us to. They gave up on they gave up on rebuilding the temple of God. The honor they must have felt that day. Can you imagine 50 years they prayed? 50 years 
the whole generation, the whole community prayed that they would be able to go back and rebuild the temple. And then these guys are chosen to go do it. Can you imagine how high their head was? They strolling back into town like this. Hey, we going to rebuild the temple. Y'all been praying 50 years. We about to do it. 30 days later. Hey, we going to take a break. It got hard. See, at one point in time, your head was held high because God was drawing you to a destiny. And whether it be discouragement, comparison, lack of progress, something snuck in and stole the enthusiasm. And we don't live in that daily grind. We don't remember why we started. Man, listen, I'm a real guy just like you. I wake up tomorrow morning, I'm going to make my kids microwave pancakes because I, I don't have time for all the, the all natural stuff. They get, and sometimes, let's be honest, they're going to make their own pancakes tomorrow morning because daddy got a meeting early. They don't know that, so don't tell them that after church. Right? I'm like, oh, you make your own breakfast tomorrow. And sometimes what happens is in this daily rhythm of life where it seems like everything's a blur and just monotony and there is no progress, we lose sight of why we started it in the beginning. We lose sight that God formed us for a purpose. And that's where I think a scripture like Galatians 6, 9 is so important. Let us not become weary in doing, doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The time is now, man. The time is now. Your destiny awaits. But I love if, if you go back to God's response to these people. I love his response. Hey, you got you to be strong and get to work. And then he ends with this again. For I am with you. For I am with you. The greatest promise in the midst of your discouragement isn't that you can work your way out. It's that he's with you. And sometimes we lose sight of that. We lose sight that in the midst of all of it, he promises us to be with us. And maybe you walked in today discouraged, overwhelmed, disappointed. Somewhere along the way, you thought you were like those, those guys, their enthusiasm was stirred. You thought you were going to take over the world. You know, I, I love when you, when you go up to a little kid and you're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, you know my answer to that? I used to ask people, because my, my dad was a pastor, so I was always around church people too. People were like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And they would always leave with, are you going to be a pastor like your daddy? I said, what are you going to do when you get younger? That's what I would ask people. What are you going to do when you get smaller? I don't know what I'm going to do. Right, but, but there's this, this, this essence of a dream that we expect kids to have that we lose. How many times you looked at your friends across the table and you said, what do you believe in God for? What is it that you're attempting that terrifies you? Oh, we don't do that. We're adults. We just do life. Discouragement robs us of our destiny and is the thief of our potential. God said, you're still breathing. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. You're still breathing, which means I'm still breathing life into you for your destiny. Don't let discouragement rob you of your potential. But we, as we get older, this is what happens. 
we start learning the safe zone, the boundaries. Saying, wait, I can't step out over here. They tell me where I can and cannot stand on the stage because there's lights. Notice I don't listen to them, all right? But we're like that. We learn. Like, all right, this is a safe zone. I can play. I can't play out here because I don't know what's out here. Your destiny awaits out here. But I'm afraid of it because I've been discouraged and disappointed and I've been beat down and broken. And every time he promises to lift you back up, to put you back on your feet and say, get back in the game, son. Get back in the game. I'm not through with you yet. And then he looks you in the eyes. See, I, I don't have a strong memory. But I was real close with my dad. And he'd always say something like this. I'm right here, son. I'm right here. Go out there and play. I was never athletic like my brother Shane was. He was good at sports, and we would just sit on the sideline and watch him shine. And I would be sitting there. Then I would try to play. I gave it an effort because I wanted to be something, I guess. I don't know. And I wouldn't be good, but my dad would look me in the eye and he'd say, son, no matter what happens, I'll be right here. And I feel like the end of this verse is daddy. Is God saying, all right, be strong, son. Be strong. Be strong. Put in the work. But no matter what happens, I'm going to be right here. Because I am with you. If you do me a favor and bow your heads and close your eyes. You walked into this room this morning. You were discouraged. Maybe life's been a little bit of a struggle. Maybe you stopped dreaming because the discouragement's been so real. You stopped going after it. But I want to I tell you the first thing. The first thing is, it starts with a real relationship with Jesus. See, well, I've tried religion. I'm not talking about religion. A list of rules can't give you freedom. A religion with Jesus can give you freedom, can give you the courage to go after it. You're in this room, in this moment. You don't even know how you got here, but you're here right now. And you're saying, man, I know right now I do not have a relationship with God. I will not embarrass you. I give you my word. I just want to pray with you. Do me a favor. Raise your hand real high so I can see you. Say, man, I want that relationship with God. I need to know it. Thank you. I need to know that I, that I have a relationship with him. I'm discouraged. I'm broken. I need, a re- I need to know that I have a relationship with Jesus. Raise your hand real high. I just pray with you. No one's looking around. It's just me and you. Anyone else, I just want to pray with you. just want to pray. I'm going to ask all my friends, all my friends to, to pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me, for being with me, for pursuing me. Today, I accept you. I make you Lord. I follow you in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed today's message, take a second and share it with your friends. Here at Venture, we believe in the power of being connected with a local church body. So whether that's with us at Venture or another local church near you, we encourage you to get plugged in. 
We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening to the Venture Church Podcast.